Yes, people, how are we all doing? I hope we're all doing really well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. Now, today we are joined by another very special guest. We've been trying to get this one organised for a while. Obviously, with COVID going on, he's been a very, very busy man. So he's a strength and conditioning coach based up in Sunland in the northeast. Mr. Martin Nugent, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. So obviously, Martin being an SNC coach, we do talk about the strength and conditioning side of athletes and how different athletes obviously need different programs and not everybody can manage the same amount of load as some people. Some people are a little bit more injury prone and some people are very mismanaged from a young age. That's something that a, young, a lot of young athletes need to look into. But the main thing that we touched on about this podcast is the mental side of being an athlete and how it can be very, very tough, especially at a young age. Martin works with a lot of young athletes and we talk about how coaches and parents play a big role in a young athlete's career and how we need to help them as much as possible. But we also need to let them grow and be their own person him, like themselves. Martin tries to develop his athletes, not just as athletes, but as people as well. You can cre- clearly see the passion that, that Martin has for what he does and how he does try and build characters and build strong, mental, mentally strong people who can then obviously take forward what they learn in the gym onto the pitch or into other aspects of life. So this podcast is a really, really good one. We cover a lot of different areas. If you're a parent, a coach, an athlete, or just anybody in general who's who loves sport and loves training, this one is going to be a perfect one for you. So we'll jump straight into this one. This is Process. Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we're joined by a very special guest. Been trying to get him on for quite a while now, but we finally got there. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Martin Nugent. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It has been a bit of a tricky, tricky one trying to get in. Um, I do apologise. It should have been a lot earlier. It's just how manic my life is these days. I'm not surprised, mate, with COVID and stuff. Obviously, we we talked for about 20 minutes before the podcast. I said we need to start recording it now. But like, how's it been <laughs> for you as a as a facility and as a obviously as an SNC coach uh, with COVID and lockdown working around it? It's, I mean, the first lockdown, there's not much you could massively do about that. And I'm one of those type of guys where I've stressed and I've stressed to people that I, you know, we follow science here. That's ultimately what leads programming here. And I'd be very hypocritical if I had said, oh, well, I don't believe in the science and what we're doing with COVID. Um, so in essence, the first lockdown, yeah, it, it, it hit us um, like most businesses. Um, but we, you know, we're in a comfortable position um, as a business, you know, we'll, we think things through, things through very well, you know, how we set up, how we work. Um, you know, we supported the staff as best we could. Um, so they were all comfortable. Um, and it was a case of, as we faded out of the first lockdown, we, with the stage two guidelines from the government, um, which is a fantastic 50 page document to read. Um, but it was one of those where we had to read it. We have to then get our risk assessments in place and put a full COVID um, process for keeping people safe. We started back with the professional athletes. So the guys who were on an elite program, which we do have quite a few, um, and the guys who were in a living in sport were allowed to be reintroduced from, I remember right, it was early July. Then obviously we transitioned everybody else in when all official gyms were allowed to open for our development level guys. So we phased everybody back in a return manner um, and, and the same with the staff. And then obviously the next uh, lockdown hit. Um, so it was a case of our development level guys weren't allowed to train, but the 
anybody on 16 above on a performance pathway to either make an living sport on a um, like Olympic pathway or professional sport or education, we're allowed to actually train. So we haven't been that hard done by. You know, I'm not going to sit here and complain and say poor old us because there's a, sadly there's a lot more companies who you know probably wouldn't survive this. You know, and I, I do feel for you know the uh, sectors of people who have pubs and restaurants and things, especially in the northeast. And, and I think where the government's probably just starting to let us down now um, because the science simply states secondary schools. And supermarkets are the worst place to be if you want to catch COVID. Whereas, you know, if restaurants are smart and pubs are smart, you know, it's, it's not an issue. But for us, you know, we've we've cracked on, we've adapted. The guys, the athletes, we've got even from six-year-old kids in the development groups, they're really switched on to COVID. They're socially distanced from both the coach and other people in the facility, clean them after themselves. So, you know, everybody's just embraced it as being just normal. Um, mm -hmm. So... It's been a tricky one. It's been a headache. As a business, I mean, this limited company now, as it stands, is two and a half year old. But I write pretty much most of that off because, uh, as I discussed earlier, I've only worked seven months of a 12-month year. So, but we've managed. And yeah. the way I'm 2021 is we just manage the COVID thing and we just start to ramp everything up, um, get more staff in. You know, with the, the, the larger goal and, and the aims that I've got in, in mind um, to develop this as a this company as it is, uh, you know, we've just got to just get on with it. Uh, more than that, no point in whinging about it. It's it's what it is. It's one of them. You know, I still over my head. We still got you know, we're still getting paid, we're getting on with it, with the coach. It's one of those. Yeah, I think that's the best attitude to have with this sort of thing because there's nothing worse. Like I get it with like a few, a few of my clients and stuff. They get themselves down about it, but the, you can't do anything. You can't change what's going to happen. Obviously, the government they're going to do what they're going to do. You just need to yeah. control what it, you can control. Hundred percent, and and that's mm. and that's something we ingrain with our athletes is is in, in you know young guys who are striving for, for contracts in football. You can only you can't control someone's opinion. You can't control anything outside of what you can do. That's it. That's the way we approach it. Yeah, we just got to do what we've got to do. And ultimately, keep people safe, keep people happy. You know, they're two key things, and, and just give them some form of normality with some of the guys because a lot of the guys are missing that sport, especially the development level guys, and there's that worry. And it's like, just don't worry about it. There's not, it, you can't. There's no point in worrying about anything that you just cannot simply control. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, simply that's the way I've learned myself. Because I used to be a worrier, and I used to get agitated when I was younger. Oh, I want to do this one. What's the point? You only get more grey hair. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could get grey hair here. To be fair, nothing's coming through oh, anytime soon for me, mate. You don't want it, and then it starts to appear in other places, and we're not good. <laughs> Because this will end up created, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, don't, don't worry. It's, I put explicit on uh, on the podcasting too. If there's if there's things that are said that I shouldn't be said, it doesn't uh, matter too much. Me, it happens. But yeah, it's great to see that you've obviously. I think that sort of attitude comes with experience in life, whatever it is, especially for athletes coming through. If you've you're instilled in that from an early age, like look, things aren't going to go to plan a lot of the time. It's, especially in sport, you're going to have different managers with different opinions, different coaches. You're going to have ups yep. and downs with your own performance. So everything's going to go smooth. And if you instill that nice and early, 
um, yeah. and obviously learn from what's happened with COVID. I think that's the, the best possible thing. We instill that with the parents as well, you mm-hmm. know, because the parents do carry a lot of a, a burden and sometimes that sadly can overspill in, into the children and adding more pressure, pressure at home. And, you know, it's just, look, whatever's going to be, it's going to be. So long as, you know, attitude and work rate and everything that comes with being wanting to be an athlete and being a professional, you know, that's, they're the main uh, things. And, and, and that creates a better person. And, and that's a key thing we look at here when we're developing athletes. It's, it's not just about the athlete. It's about the person, you know, instilling good traits with them, you know, um, things you know, I think sport gives a lot more than people give it credit for. I think it creates good people, um, and I think you know, there's a lot where you can develop as a young athlete, but actually make you a way better person. And in, in, even in business, if you didn't follow sport as, as your professional profession, and you go into business, I think it, it stands you in good stead. Being competitive, being committed, you know, uh, work rate. Everything that comes with it, being team player, if you're in team sport, that drive, you know, and it's, I think you get a lot from it. And, and that's what we try and do here as much as we can is educate. It's not just let's come in and, and let's jump around the gym and fling things around. It's, you know, there's a big educational side to it, both mentally, because, you know, we had a brief chat about that earlier, mm-hmm. mentally and physically, and how that links. Um, and putting that support mechanism in place for the athlete. Yeah, I like how you talk about that though, like you can see the transfer of it. And at the end of the day, not everybody who probably comes into your facility and wants to be the top, top level athlete isn't going to make it. Like for myself, obviously I didn't see my career going the way it is, but I've transferred a lot of what I've learned from being in full-time football, professional football, and then transferred over to my business stuff and other things. Like having an interest in the S&C side as well, I think obviously it's almost like a a natural progression if you if you for example have a lot of injuries or you're in sport full time investing in the knowledge of strength conditioning knowing about your body and stuff at the end of the day it's going to help your career if you do have an amazing sport and career but you can also then come out into pt snc sports science all that stuff and all the knowledge that you've kind of had working with top professionals like yourself just transfer it over so there's definitely that carryover. when you're talking about that um it's you know People will come in here and say, I want to be a professional footballer, and that's great. I want to be a professional rugby player. I want to be an Olympic gold medalist. And, you know, we'd never, ever dampen anyone's dreams down. But our job, realistically, is to get that athlete to the highest level they can mm-hmm. achieve and be happy in that, in, in that process, not sacrificing everything. Because I think, you know, when people talk about, we'll use professional football, for example, Oh, they've got it easy, they've got this, they live this lavish lifestyle. But actually, the question I always put to people is, how much do you value, how much value do you put on a child's, uh, on a childhood? Because ultimately, what you're asking a footballer to do is to sacrifice their childhood. And you do. And it's wrong. I totally don't agree with it. Um, but the pressure that comes from having to be in an academy and constant worry of, Will I be kept on? Will I be kept on? What's going to be the next contract? You know, if you realistically sit down, players, and I've sat down with thousands of young footballers over have a long time doing this job, being as old as I am, it's, um, it's worrying. And, you know, I think 
I don't see it as much in other sports, I'll be honest. There is pressure if everyone goes wrong and, and there is that element, but it is that, you know, when somebody makes it in the game of football, you know, I I have to give, you know, you know how much sacrifice they've actually sort of they've given to that process, you know, and the mental health ramifications of that if they don't get where they want to be or where they hope they would be if they put all their eggs in one basket you know what is the club what else has the club done for them in that process you know there's guys who may have come out of the professional game or the early professional game like yourself due to injuries you know and what process has been put in place how did we get to that injured state in the first place as we chatted off off recording is it because of that player is such a good player. We can't afford to have him out injured. So if he's 50%, fit, 60% fit, we're going to play him. We're going to continue to play him. We're going to continue to compound the problems that are there. If we'll worry about it further down the line, we'll either throw him under the knife, we'll throw some injections in, keep him going, and we'll cut these corners rather than let's just protect him. Let's mm-hmm. protect him because we see a good future for this guy. Mm-hmm. Let's look after him, put him in a bubble, and let's go right. He's got a few little niggles here. Let's just ease him out of games. And that's where it also comes into academies. Are you just there to win? Or are you there to develop? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've spent years working in professional rugby, in rugby league. You know, there was never any pressure on an athlete to be a certain size, some physical presence. There was never pressure on young athletes, young rugby players to be, to win. Every game, it was about making sure that they executed what they learned in training, and the score was irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It was simply purely about getting that player within the group, every making them individual within a team sport, and getting them to play and to compete at the highest level that they can. Mm-hmm. Whether that part time, you know, or like Super League international level. And, it, and it's just, it's, it was a pressure-free zone. It was a happy zone. It was somewhere where they could learn and they could develop at their own rate. And you know, and, and you know, when we talk about rugby, the, the heavy collisions and everything that we've got, it's a collision sport. And, and football will never come near to it. Um, not in a million years. It might have done. Maybe he's back in there. Uh, yeah, not, not so much now, mate. We're all, we're not, all big softies, aren't we? <laughs> if it tickles a few people, then, you know, you're off. Um, but it's a case of, you know, phys- you would always think physicality and, and that demand to be big and, and powerful. It's like, no, it's actually, or do you have the skill acquisition? Are you good enough technically to be there? The rest will deal with a later date and will allow you to develop um, going forward. So, so no, it's a, it's a strange one. It's, I mean, I don't want to waffle too much on that. We'll no, mate, that's up. great. So I like how you, you think about each player as an individual because I think because of all the generations of football, like talking about football specifically, they're in a very old school mentality that like just you just got to do whatever it takes to get there. And everyone's slightly different. Like I always say football, like you mentioned about young athletes, it's like gambling with your own life because there's a lot of commitment. There's a lot. And if you get there, if you win the lottery and you, you make it as a person in football, it's amazing. It's brilliant. But... If you don't make it and you get that rejection or you get an injury or stuff like that, it can mentally 
mess you up and it can ruin your life and it takes a lot to build yourself back up like it took me probably a good solid i don't know maybe 16 months to actually real rebuild myself up and start obviously yeah. working on my business working on other things and, and realize that you know what i'm actually not going to make it at the top level i'm going to have to because i know myself that i might only be capable to play part-time because of my injuries or whatever um but going back to the point about every athlete being individual when i was going through the ranks and stuff. I know there was lads that could run around all day, never get injuries and stuff, but I was tall, I was always lanky and a little bit skinny when I jumped. And I was very injury prone and I struggled to keep up with the demand of the amount of training load that the rest of the lads on. Especially being a keeper, you get thrown yeah. into like, oh, the first team you need a keeper to do some shooting, you get thrown in. Like You're not going to say no to that, are you? You get thrown yeah. in with an under-23s training session, whatever it is. You get thrown around here. That's I was doing like triple day sometimes. And I think that's what led to obviously my body so, breaking down. Would you class yourself as injury prone or mismanaged? Probably mismanaged because now I'm the best I've ever felt and I, I kind of understand my body a lot better. I'm still training, like football wise, I'm only three days a week, it's part time. But training wise, I'm still training probably yeah. harder than I ever have. But I just know what works well for me and when I need to back off, when I need to, where I can push myself a bit. And I mean, that's, it's, a, it's, it's something I say often. So I sort of class as like a hybrid player. So you are a certain size, certain age. Well, he's physically capable. The look, and this I'm just purely saying from a physical perspective, they'll go, right, big guy, big goalkeeper, right. Get him in with the first team. 23s, 18s, you know, you might be younger than 18. And you're chopping and changing. But there's no one really took control and went, well, hold on a second. He did an intense session, da-da-da-da, so many hours yesterday. He's doing the same today, and he's, do, he's planned to do the same the next day. Right. At some point, we need to actually sort of deload, get him off, get him rest, get him recovered. So we'll look at that physical side of it. But a question I always put to people is, so you're a big guy. You go in there. You're used to being bigger than everybody. Now you're in people who are as big as you. They start hitting you, they start moving you around, they start manipulating you. Psychologically, you're like, whoa, I'm not ready for this. I'm not used to this happening to me. So as well as looking at that physical robustness, we've got to look at that mental robustness. And you take, you take a child and put him in with adults, in essence, he might not function very well. You might actually ruin that. that if he's a rugby player or a footballer, for example, or a goalkeeper, because he comes away from it. You know, the ball's getting hit harder at him. It's faster. It's more physical. He mentally, they might not be able to cope with that. And with that mental side, fatigue comes, everything else, the physicality side of it, the injuries start to creep up, but I'm not getting enough recovery. Mentally, I'm starting to feel drained. Then I'm starting to not enjoy it. My body's starting to break down, and I'm thinking, well, I'm just injury prone. It doesn't. And then psychologically, the player's like, well, I'm getting injured coach sees I'm injured all the time I kind of get on the pitch it's going to go against this I'm not going to get me scholar I'm not going to get me pro it starts a catalogue and I see this in here and, and, and what I feel sometimes I have to do is just sometimes an S&C session might be just sitting the guy down the guy looks drained he looks tired he's, he's mentally gone with it let's just have a chat mm -hmm. let's make sure you're right let's have a mobility session nice and light let's just talk through what's happened today what what you've done in the week 
well, I feel like I'm only training, I'm training with this age group, I'm training that age group. And they're a fantastic player, but we'll, that's how we ruin them. And that's how we, we're not nurturing them properly. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's something that really does need to be looked at massively mm-hmm. going forward. And I think it will. Because what you've actually got to remember is as well, if you actually went on the NSPCC website, you know, we're looking at children, children are below the age of 16, and some of the guys are working in tents, 15, 16 year old, maybe going in the 18s. When, you, when a child starts getting mentally um, sort of exhausted in regards to a form of abuse, i.e. overtraining and things like that, it, it, it is what it is, it's abuse. Mm-hmm. And we've got to nurture them. Now, you might have a 15 year old who's six foot five or whatever, He's still a 15 year old kid. Yeah, may not be physical. We've got to be aware physicality does it match the personality and the person that they are, mm-hmm. and we've got to be that bit careful with it. So, you getting flogged around different age groups could ultimately have led to overtraining, biomechanical imbalances. You're very limby and long legs, so you're going through all that growth. And you know, when we talk about what you talked earlier off camera about tendonitis and things like that, a lot of tendonitis comes from biomechanical imbalances and stresses the tendon. So it's a case of just easing your back off, looking at what might be going on. Think we really don't want to have any form of medical intervention if we can help it. That that needs to be the last thing we look at. But sadly, sometimes in football they just go, we need a quick fix. Jab them with this, nick that. So I've, you know, I've worked. I'd worked with a player years ago who had it through growth. He was always stiff through his hips, groins. Straight in football club. Let's just cut the nerve. Yeah, well, he's not going to feel it, but it's still going to be there, and it's going to reoccur again. The pain's going to eventually come back, but we 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 went to that symptom, but not the cause, and and that and that's a key thing, but. You know, without again waffling on, it's a case of you've got to be really smart how we manage players and, mm-hmm. and hybrid effect, chucking them through the different age groups. If that player is 15, 16 year old, but he's capable of playing 18s or 23s, both mentally and physically, just keep him there. He'll have a better player in the long run and he's young. So, in, when you, you want him for that first team, he's more than prepared. Mm-hmm. Don't just drop down the 15 just because you want to win a game. That's just not doing him any good. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, long term, you know, it's it, that's not development. That's mm-hmm. just one game. Yeah. And I see it and I hear it all the time. Just mm-hmm. keep them there. But if they're physically there, but mentally not capable yet, then that's where you just dip them to and from occasionally and you just ease them in. You ease them back out, give them a little taste. Put them back where he is until that mental maturity side of it comes. Mm-hmm. I like how you, it's yeah. just one of the got to allow to develop. Yeah, I like but how I, you you you're very kind of mindful about that the long term game and also the mental side of young athletes, which yeah. I don't think even when I was coming through, there was nothing done at all mentally. I don't know how much is being done now, obviously, because you're kind of you're separate from like academies and stuff like that. So you're your own thing, but it's very good that there's someone like you out there who's very mindful of yeah. what, what's not, not only physically going through a young athlete, but also mentally, because there's a lot. And I'm looking back at my kind of mental state 
going through academy setups, 16s, then going full-time, turning professional. Like, I don't think young athletes are switched on to how they're actually mentally thinking, how they're feeling, like how, what the fatigue levels are. Like for me, looking back, I was mentally and physically drained, even when I was injured sort of thing, because I was training a lot every single day. There's a lot of pressure on you. There's pressure to get back fit when you're injured. There's pressure to stay fit when you are fit. And then obviously you're getting dabbled in with the first team. I need to impress today. There's pressure on me today. Every day is very intense and stuff. And I, I obviously don't realise it until now. Like, like th there is a lot of pressure, a lot more pressure than people actually realise. Some people yeah. are great at, some people like you look at, look at a few young lads now who have obviously kicked on really well. They are very, very fucking mentally strong to go through that yeah. consistently. And I don't think people realise it. And I think there's a lot of young lads who do have the ability out there, like, probably better ability than some lads who have made it but it's just the mental capacity and also the the mental ability to recover um, from I, things and everyone's different I mean one of the key things and if for any parent that might watch this what goes on at home is massively important mm. for me it's a case of you need to be looking at um, creating an environment that the when that player comes home or that athlete comes home you're de-stressed, you know, that it's not a pressure. You just don't really talk about it. You'll just say, how was your day, stuff like that. Not, well, what do you think you were doing? You had a nightmare of a second half. Because mm -hmm. you do get parents who will just absolutely lay into the kid and they don't give them an inch. And it's like, right, you're going to go home and we're going to run up that pitch and we're going to run and you're going to work. It's like, well, actually, why don't you just do it, you know, create an environment where if he's had a bit of a bad game, so what? He's learning how to play the game. He's learning how to do that. And that pressure, if, if that pressure, you've got the pressure at the club and it just continues, the kid will literally turn around at 80, 90 and just go, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. He'll go off a different path. And it does, not just football. I've seen it in boxing. I've seen it in different other sports. It's, for me, a key thing when, when for any parent is it's creating that environment where they can simply talk about anything they want it's not always just about that sport. It's not always about that game, but just be a parent. Don't add pressure to what they've already had. But also at the same time, don't, trying to put this the right way, don't bend over backwards for the football club mm -hmm. and just accept things, question things, ask why these are happening, you know, get something. Because there's, there's things out here that come out of football that just blew my mind. They really do. Mm -hmm. And it more than anything else, because there's things and decisions and comments that, you know, you're giving a, a child some impossible tasks, right? You're not tall enough, not big enough. Go home and grow. Yeah. So what, what do you want to do? You're judging a kid at 14, 15 year old, not when it counts. Is he technically good enough to be there? If he's technically good enough to be there, then he's there. If he's got a work rate and a good hard work, he's committed. You know, he's, he's pleasant, he's a good person. You know, the technical side's there. Then work with it. The physicality side, because you, nobody can openly dictate how tall anybody's going to grow or how big they're going to really be. We have ways, peak high philosophy, all that type of stuff, which can have a prediction, but we're never, ever completely accurate. It go one way or the other. And it's that extra, extra pressure that, that they'll give them just impossible tasks and impossible feedback that they just can't do anything with mm -hmm. right you need a certain height by this age how on earth can you even achieve that yeah it, it right you're not fast quick enough 
you're not explosive enough, you're not strong enough. Yeah. Well, the question I put back to the club is, well, what are you doing about that? You know, and that's the way I would work. You're mm-hmm. a developer. So if you look up the word development, what does it mean? It doesn't mean 15-year-old, I want the complete, you know, I'm bringing somebody in, I want you to be the finished article. It's like, you know, it, it, we've got to look at how we produce footballers in, in the ratio which we produce. I know it's only the top 2% that'll make a Premier League footballer. Yeah, we know that. But we have to look at it and, 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 and be clever with it and, and reevaluate and really look at what we're doing within development football and development sport as a whole. But picking on football a little bit here, we do really need to address things and go, are we actually doing the best job we can do? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, what I do on a weekly basis and go, could it be better? Could that be better? Reevaluate, reevaluate yourself as a coach. I don't know everything. And, you know, anything I will put as a development point with any athlete that walks through so football, rugby, track, it's backed up by science and it's backed up by not just a random opinion that I've just plucked out of the air, mm-hmm. you know. But it's always positive because it's development. It's nobody's ever going to be the complete art, finished article. Nobody's perfect. There's no such thing as perfection in sport. It just doesn't exist. It's, it's as simple as that. And I think pressure within and around football clubs is huge. I see it on the basis of kids on a weekly basis. And we mm-hmm. try and deal pressure as much as we can here. Yeah. And just try and keep them focused in a more positive mindset and, and, re- and re-educate parents where we need to because parents do worry and they're always going to worry about their kids and worry little Johnny's not going to get his chance. So what? Let's go somewhere else where you will. Let's mm-hmm. go somewhere appreciate it. Don't worry just about that club. You do not ha- you do not owe them anything. You know, it's it's a case of you've got to do what's right for your child. You know, it's don't pressurise them. Don't put it on them at home. Mm-hmm. Give them something else Go and do a hobby. Go and do something. Takes our mind completely off it. Mm-hmm. And then when back to it, it's a case of you're not just not compounding it further. And, oh, I've got to go back to this. I've got shit at home. Getting shit back to the club. What am I even doing this for? Yeah. I've actually got what it's like to enjoy a game of football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, like, I forgot that for years, you know. I forgot what it was like to have that pressure. And I think for any young lad who is listening or any parent who's obviously listening as well, even more important, if a young lad's, if you are thinking to yourself, I'm not enjoying this and you're like 13, 14, coming up through academy, you've got to have a think like, why am I not enjoying this? Is it the pressure? Is it, is it because I'm not playing well? Is it something else outside of football? Whatever it is, you've got to really question that. And I like the point that you made about, um, obviously when, you, when you're growing up, you're going to have, you're going to have growth spurts, you're going to lose your coordination, you might not have the height at a certain age. It triggers me so much when I hear like, a, I don't know, like a, a coach or a parent or something say, oh, like he's, he's he's good, but he's not tall enough. Oh, like he's good, but he's, I don't know what's happening at the minute, he can't kick a ball right. But I remember when I was 14, 15, I couldn't kick a ball for a good year because my I was just, I went through a massive growth spurt. I think Rio Ferdinand talked about it in the High Performance Podcast, the Jake Humphrey Podcast. He had a spell when he was 13, 14, where he couldn't kick a ball. He just felt like he lost all coordination. Like when you're growing, you're going to have things like that and you've got to take them, as a coach, you've got to take that into consideration when you're looking at a lad. Like six months ago, he was great. Maybe now he's just having a little bit of a rough patch. Like he might be growing or he might just, his confidence might not be there. Have a look at the long term and have a word with a lad and 
yes. speak to them and I mean, how are they feeling you know the the peak high velocity stuff comes in it's not like oh it's just a way of seeing how tall a player is going to be it, it, it dictates and leads what the programming should be from an athletic performance perspective. It'll also give some feedback to the technical coach and go, well, actually, like you just mentioned there, the reason he's, he's lack, he's, he can't accelerate, he's setting touches like a header. Um, you know, he's, his reactions in goal, his arm speed, limb speed, it's slowed right down. Yeah, because the pathway has changed. It's lengthened. Mm-hmm. So if it's lengthened, that, sort of, that neurological response is going to slow down. It's it, and that, it's an understanding and an education, and I think maybe you know. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to pick on football. I love football, but in some cases, in some places, I've been and seen there's a lack of understanding from the technical coach's perspective on this side of things. And you know, you go into rugby, and the, you know there is a higher level of education generally across the board in rugby. So you get a lot of rugby coaches who might have a law degree, they might have this, they might have that from university. And when you've, you know, you've been at university, it gives you that. What it gives you is a skill set at university. It's not just the, the subject areas. It's the ability to actually research and actually go and find some answers as to why these things are occurring. So when you talk, I've worked with a lot of really, really smart rugby coaches, you know, in who have understand the whole concept of growth and development within a players. And that's why they don't throw a huge amount of emphasis in the early years on physicality, because they just want the lads to grow, just let them develop. This, these are things they can't control. So why even try and put pressure on it? And you, and like you say, the physicality demands in rugby are massive. But they're not going to a 15-year-old child. You've got to be this. You've got to be this height, or you're gone. So you've got six months to grow. And and, and I'm not making that actually up. That is something that yeah, has I've been heard it recently, mm-hmm. and it tells me it really does. And it's like, come on, what do you want them to do? You know, and it it at that point, it's like when we're monitoring growth. Sometimes I'm like, them, look. Because he's so mentally drained and having his height measured, I'm like, you're going nowhere near getting measured. We're just keeping you away from it. Because he's sick. You know, and it's there is an educational element there, maybe that does need addressing. Um, and like I say, I think the way that they've formulated academies now, there is some really good academies around. I mean, your arsenals and everyone like that, um, they're doing things right. Um, so I'm lucky you've had a players in there. And one of my former coaches has now gone there to work, which is good. Um, and they're doing everything right, and you know that, right within a reason. You know, we're never like I say, we're never going to get it perfect, but they are going along that road. Um, but I think across the board, they're doing a lot more work. I mean, at England level, you know, I've spoke to guys down there, and everything's set up ready that you know, and they're doing everything the best they can. But ultimately, they only have small control because you'll only see them on camps mm-hmm. the rest of them, they're off with the club and it's totally down the ethos of the club and maybe what even the head coach wants and a lot of head coaches don't really know much on athletic performance and development mm-hmm. they want everything now and they're not bothered how it happens mm-hmm. it's sad and, and it ruins a lot of people and you know you hear of the the poor lad at man city who was released 
and he's committed his full life to it and ultimately give his life. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't deal with with what's happened to him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a sad thing, and I think mental health in regards to footballers and a lot of sports people, and especially when they're young, they do need a lot more support. You know, people think they've got the life O'Reilly that they earn lots of money, but it's sometimes be a lonely place. Oh, Very definitely, low. definitely. Why do you think that there's that different philosophy and mentality in rugby compared to football? Do you think it's because the rugby's not not as big? Obviously, there's not as much money in rugby. Do you think it's the the community aspect of rugby? Like, guys, you know, they don't have huge amounts of money to spend. Mm-hmm. Like, all football. Oh, he's not good enough. Get rid of him. We'll just buy him. Mm-hmm. Uh, rugby. The there is a don't get us wrong. There probably once upon a time. There was heavily, oh, he's not big enough, he's not this. And there would have been, you know, it's, I'm not saying it never has been. Um, but the really, because of the physicalities, the demands, the injuries, the things that are linked to rugby, they really had to think things through and think, right, how do we structure the development one so that the player can last? Because, for example, I think I might be wrong. Some rugby coaches might come at us because it was been a while since I've been back in squads. But you, it's a certain age and, and whatever, or even up to, assuming you only allow to play one game every seven days as a development rugby mm-hmm. player to protect the body, to allow them to recover in train appropriate, ready for the next game. Now, and obviously if we look at um, head collisions, for example, they've always had uh, protocols in place for um, concussion where... I can tell you now, I've had numerous concussions, headbutting people in football, clashing their heads, hitting goalposts, you name it. And I just cracked on, got on with it. Mm-hmm. And where in rugby, they would have a structured return to play depending on the extent of the damage and what the doctors said. Then you had to pass tests to come back and play. So cognitive brain tests to play. So it's a case of there's probably been more research put in there. It's there's there's less money, clearly less money in rugby. The physicality demands will require a lot more research. Um, so that's probably where it's come from. Whereas football, it's always been, eh, we don't need the gym. Just get the ball out, get a few cones out. And there's still guys now who I argue with, who are who I love, and they're good friends and old school scouts. Ah, you're one of them science lot. Oh, just let them play. So, and then they'll turn around to me and go, ah, good player, not quick enough. Ah, well, what about the science side? Oh, he's not strong enough. Oh, well, what about the science side? And then they start to think, you may have a point. Well, if we put him into the gym and in the right environment, yeah, we can get him a bit stronger, a bit more explosive, a little bit sharper with speed and acceleration. You know, we don't have magic pill, but we can work on it. Mm-hmm. So it's still there's still a section of old school, but I think with the Europeans and all that coming in, your Arsene Wenger has started to spin things on the head a little bit. Mm-hmm. So people... Could we freeze it for two seconds? I think someone just coming. Of course, mate. No worries. No worries. Pause it. Right, we're back on. So yeah, well, we're literally going to end up blabbering yeah. on there, but talking about, obviously, our business, yeah. talking about yourself. It's fun. Oh, it's, it's the whole, you know... Like you just were talking off there, um, it was a case of you weren't quite sure exactly who I was in regards to who you're going to come on the screen with. And it's, I've always tried to just, I'm not, 
from a personality perspective, I like to think I'm not a big-headed person. I'm far from an egotistical type of guy. I'm very laid back. I, I'm the guy who just sits in the background and gets his job done. You know, been that mm-hmm. doing that in sport. Um, so people might think, well, you call it your business, Martin. Usually, performance. It was actually we had a lot of conversations with my family and my wife, Erin, and uh, her dad, Robin, were like. What do we call the business? And they were adamant it had to be my name. Um, and the elite performance being on the, the PhD factor of what I do. So there is a reasoning behind it. Um, so when people sometimes come and train, like, oh, I thought I'm training with Martin Nugent. It's like, we have hundreds of athletes who come in each week. And it's, it's a case of, I can't physically work with everybody. Um, but I like to oversee everybody and I'll mill around in the background. But... You know, we've got some fantastic coaches here as well. So I would never, ever, you know, for all of sort of under the ethos, so to speak, of the gym in the facility itself and, and, and me, if you want, if you want to say that. But it's a case of they're their own coach. And I'm very, I always like to celebrate any success they may have had with an athlete, for example. And we share a lot of athletes, so like some me and Lee. The guy who just popped in to see us there, Logan Pye, Manchester United player, to drop a shirt in and, and to arrange some training for next week. It's a case of, you know, me and Lee have worked on for a numerous amount of years. So we're a team in here and team coach at times. And John and, and all the guys who are in here, we, we do team coach. So the business itself was, it is Martin Eugene Performance. It's a limited company. Um, it started off, obviously, I've spent it with going back and he wanted to chat about my background, doing the usual route, sports science, exercise science, everything like that, masters, amalgamate now into a PhD. So, you know, it's it's one of them. I couldn't juggle more if I tried. Um, but it went, you know, I've, I've worked in professional rugby, I've worked in high performance settings in the past. I've had all the employee type jobs, I've lectured, um, I've done all that, I've assessed coaches so I've done quite a bit and I've worked with you'll be going into thousands of athletes and I've been very lucky to work with some really talented guys up and down the country abroad you name it and from a multitude of different sports and it was a case of got to a point where you'd never with this country you're never too sure exactly how long your job's going to last in performance sport if you're in the States or Australia, you're probably going to have a really good salary, let's be honest. And you would be um, a case of a lot more longevity because there's a huge investment from the government in those countries for sport. Whereas here, not so much. We put huge investments in just before Olympics and then we remove it. And we expect to still try and get some success, which is crazy. But you know, and in football, it can be very who you know, not what you know, and, and it is. Whereas in rugby and stuff, it's like, we want the best people there. And if you're not good enough, you'll get found out. And, and I've, so I've done all of those rules and I've done everything like that. And it was a case of, you know, a lot of people had said, what would you really like to do? And I was like, well, I'd love to start setting up your own facility. My own version of the English Institute of Sport, that's the sort of way I wanted to look at it. And... It was a case of we sat down, um, I took redundant, redundancy packages from previous roles and I went away travelling 
with my wife for about nine weeks and decided, right, we're going to come back and we're going to do something. And going from working in high performance settings to working on a field on your own, building up client base, honestly, you, you wouldn't, you, you couldn't write, if I write a book about it, it would be pretty decent. I mean, I've been in all weathers, on a pitch, bit of kit, bit of this, training guys here, few pros here, few pros, because a lot of people would start to work with us in any way in previous job roles. And it was a case of um, the word started to get out there that there's this guy who develops young athletes and works with, he's worked a lot in professional and elite background. And renting a bit of time and cert, like gyms where I could. And then it came about where I actually got chatting to Sunderland College and they were like, come and use a bit of space use our pitches and we converted a little classroom into a bit of a, a gym alongside that current gym in the in that sports department, that new sports department. So I had a little area there and I was helping out because I basically got approached by the principal and said, can you make us elite in sport? I said, well, that's not that easy. And I said, what level of elite? Because elite gets thrown around a lot. And I said, realistically, elite is somebody who is someone like a Premier League international level footballer, um, someone who's like Team GB, England level national athlete, that type of thing. So I said, you've got to just be careful what you're doing with the word elite. So, but anyway, I came in, we looked at it, but I always had this idea of having a large facility and there was potential in Durham, but that went a bit south, all thanks to the council, got everything wrong. Um, legally wrong, I mean majorly legally wrong. Uh, not to win prisoners or anything, but it was a centre that they were going to transfer to me, which had complete full-size 3G pitch, the whole bit. And now we were going to go in and renovate it out and have two elements of gyms that sort of interlinked with each other. But nevertheless, it never happened, and probably for good reason, because now we evaluate anything. I think starting small, think big, always works better. And what happened was, it was just by chance, I'm walking past this current building that I'm sat in. So this is on the college site. And it was just a derelict, it wasn't derelict, but it was a really run down old part of the old sport department. It was a basketball court and it was minging blue color. It was awful. I mean, every member of staff, if ever they walk past it, they'll say, I can't believe how good this room looks now compared to what it was. So it was a conversation I had with the college. Um, I said, look, you've got a facility down there. I need a facility. We've got investment and I want to invest in something and have, start to have the state of the art in my mind, what I wanted. And then it came about that I spoke to the guys at Absolute Performance who did an unreal job. And I've known those guys from the past in other job roles. Um, we designed it and then we got it Obviously, with the help of the college, we renovated the ceiling, everything like that. We got a new reception area put in, a physio room sorted out in a good-sized area to get started. And, and then we got it fitted out and went from there. And then it became not me being a sole trader coach. And what I'd done was we started to gather some coaches together in the old, or not the old, but the, the place where we used to work out of. And then the client base just kept doing that and that and that and kept going. And obviously, then linking into what we do here, this is where I started to really put down what I had in my head into the 
what physically you see the deer and you know it's it's not rocket science but it's all it's everything it all interlinks the whole facility with my approach and my thinking on conditioning on you know sport performance and, and all that side of things and it's pretty much snowballed since then i mean we literally just went back and just took off and i mean it, it's a case of we now have programs in place with things like england netball we work with um, like stellar sports management with their uh, players we've set up a link um, and we've had chats with like the chelsea football club um, we've worked for the premier league working with all the referees um, this goes on from an organizational perspective but everything generally worked word of mouth and people enjoy coming which is my pri primary thing with any with anybody coming in just enjoy it if you don't enjoy it don't come it's simple as Mm -hmm. And people enjoy it because it's different. It, they'll get results from it. But what we do see is, I don't bullshit people. You know, there's no magic pill. You think you're going to come in here and go out, you're a sprinter, and you're going to go out, you see in bold within a week. Sadly, that's not going to happen. And we're very realistic. We're very realistic goal setting. You know, everything in this facility and how we work is all science-backed. You know, there's no, we're trying not to guess anything. Um, and like I say, we're not perfect. And I think that's a good thing to have. I think it's a case of it's always striving to be better. You know, that, that is a big, big ethos of mine to, to not just sit and be the coach I was last week and the coach I was last year. Try and be forward thinking, try and think how can I improve, how can I get better? And then if I get better and the coaches get better, the athletes will improve, they'll enjoy it more, higher results, and then I don't need to advertise. It just does what they do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, it's a case of making sure that the customer, in, in essence, because that's what they are, it's that they, you know, I, what I say they're going to get, they're going to get, you know. But we're very, very honest. And it's like, you know, oh, we'll get, for example, we'll get young guys coming off. I've heard you can make people faster. Mm. Well, sadly, not that easy. Uh, if at all easy, is it doable? But honestly, you've got to try and work with this and see where we go with it. You know, it's naturally people get faster who are naturally fast. We have slower responders. Um, and it, I'm just very honest. I would never, ever lie for work. But also, I'm going to manage people. So if we've got a guy in a football club comes in and he's probably done too much in the week, I'll just say dismiss the week. You know, and, and that can be a bit of a financial sacrifice for me, but it's their well-being is more important to get than they need to be, you know. Um, we're not overly, I'll be honest, there'll probably be some guys who watch this and I'll be brutally honest and they probably don't like it. I'll be truthful. Uh, and uh, and they, they probably make some sort of assumption of who we are and what we are and, you know, they've never met me before. They've never... Um, never met me staff and never been in to make a judgment but we're very open door you know we can go and chat to a football club and come in look what we do with your players and they can learn from us we can learn from them and ultimately work together to get the better player for their football mm -hmm. 
I was going to ask you about that with, obviously, I, I remember when I was growing up, when I was seeing different SNC coaches outside of the football club, the academy, they were always a little bit like funny about it. I think it's because they don't know what you're doing. Obviously, some coaches don't know what you're doing at yeah. the football club. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you kind of build that relationship with the club and how have you found it? Have you had any issues with certain, obviously you don't have to name clubs and stuff like that, We've but had you, it, you, is it just best to be open? along the line until we just sit down and go, mm -hmm. actually, and then to see what we're actually doing. That's not bad. You know, it's, mm -hmm. we've linked with first teams, with academies, and sometimes they're not, they're not even linked, which I find a, mm -hmm. it's, and that's just the ethos of the football club. It's not an individual uh, coach or member of staff and you know you, we get we get a lot of good praise probably for, for the most um, we're not like look at us we're better than everybody else but it doesn't work that way you know I'm not that type of person at all um, I'm very much a, a guy who appreciates other practitioners and other performance coaches and SNC guys I think ultimately, if we all come together and realise we actually could work as a team, then life would be a lot easier and actually gain more from it. And you've got to remember, I've, I've been in their scenario before. So all I used to do was just link up wherever they might have went. Because I know a rugby player's like, I used to have to nearly chain the door shut in previous gyms to say, look, you've done enough. Just go home, eat and rest and get to sleep. But if they were going to do anything, just liaise with us. Let's just make sure you're doing something that isn't contradictory in, in, in what you need. And the beauty of what we can provide and, and help with the clubs is we can be more individualised than what the clubs probably are. Because I do appreciate they don't get a huge amount of investment in the SNC teams within academies and stuff. There might be like two guys to a full academy. That's not enough. It just simply is. Mm -hmm. They can't manage everything. They can't manage everything individually. You know, it just becomes a numbers game then. And that's where it can get a little bit lost. And that's why guys might come to us and say, I just feel I need that little bit more. And we can really hone in, take them through. So when you ask me, when you sent a question through about how we lead in with an initial athlete is, we take them through it. You've got different levels of assessment, which include biomechanical um, observations, Everything from ankle range, hip mobility, hamstring, glutes, spinal, everything like that. So we want to see how this they functionally move. Um, so some movement mechanic work, um, the ability to deal with ground force, sticking landings, stabilizing. And then things like optic jump technology, you know, some of the basic stuff we'd use with some witty timing system. So we'll have a look at some axles, speed work, change direction. But then we can go as far as in-depth as fourth plate analysis, looking at it. So I've got a, a, a vast interest in asymmetry, lower limb asymmetry, and how it affects things like acceleration, speed, injuries. And we have hamstring solo. We can identify you know, individual um, issues with people with hamstring from uh, discrepancies between left and right leg, eccentrics to, to, to concentric um, loading. And then, like I say, the force plates are unilateral force plates. So, again, a lot of higher-end guys, we can literally do everything with them from upper body to, mm -hmm. to lower limb um, and look at discrepancies and asymmetries and try and decrease asymmetries to maximise performance and efficiency. Um, so that helps us lead a programme. 
and then we'd always keep on top of that observations all the time in in training sessions sometimes video analysis work and then also we can transition stuff to the pitch so if it's something pitch orientated you know if i need to look at something on a bigger scale we have pitches outside which we have access to um every day so again we can that's where we do like the pro camps we mix it in with the, the gym and the pitch um so that mm-hmm. they can do some uh, pitch conditioning work with balls and different things like that if it's a footballer for example but we, we lead off everything's off an assessment process um nothing's left chance mm-hmm. um so we go through another fine tooth comb yeah, you cover cover all bases. And I think when you mentioned, obviously, about in academy setups, football setups, there's probably only one or two S&C coaches for, what, like 20-plus oh. lads. It would be stupid for them not to, yeah. obviously, interlink with you because you can be re- really, really specific and give ind- individualised programmes. And then you went back to the point about you had to chain the doors to stop the rugby lads and stuff going. I remember when I was young, and you always get told when you're younger, work hard, do extra, do this, that, and the other. So, like, if anybody who's got that drive and that that passion about whatever they do, they're gonna to want to do it like as much as possible. Then I remember I was in the gym, probably way too much, and I, there was a point where the S and C coach had to say like, "Look, you need to stop doing this." And what I would do, I would go go to the gym at home or like one of my local gyms and go and do stuff. So I think there's different ways of going about with young lads. Like first of all, like listen to people like yourself, the F and S and C coach and stuff, who are giving you that advice to kind of sometimes you do need to back off because I was. 100 mile an hour all the time, which might have led to me overtraining and, and main reasons. Condition like with overtraining. So the thing I'm trying to, this, you know, doing that extra, doing that extra. But actually, it could cause the reverse. And one yeah. the key thing people have to know about when athletes and when any of their players do come in here, we monitor all of these things. So looking at, um, right, how much have you actually done? we'll always be aware. And even if we don't have a direct contact with their club, we ask questions. We're not stupid. And we'll, we'll, we'll figure out, right, well, I did a lot of heavy squat this week. Okay, right, well, we're going to deload quads. And we're just going to do a little bit of focus work on hamstrings because they're going to be important that we can't have a huge asymmetry in quad-hamstring ratio. Simple as that. And, and that's as easy as it needs to be if it's been a heavy week and then maybe it's played and done a lot of heavy training, we might just do a mobility um, recovery type session in an afternoon. We're not just logging them into the ground. You know, I have that, yeah. that saying that goes around, any idiot can make another idiot tired. And you see, sadly, a lot of it. People masquerading, I'm this, I'm that, I do this, I train athletes, I do this. You know, we're just breaking them. You just make them tired and then they think that actually it's doing yeah but actually when they start to break down and decondition and they can't compete then the penny drops for the athlete that really probably wasn't the most appropriate things that could have been doing and i see it you know when clubs want to protect uh, what they've got and i mean from our side of things you know when i've chatted the clubs first thing a club will only ask what's your insurance like and and that's the and it's it's a very good question to be fair because i bet you there's a lot of guys who are training footballers and stuff with inadequate insurance. So we have yeah. an insurer, and I won't tell you how much my insurance is a year, but it's quite high. And we've got the only insurer in the whole country that insures us for Premier League level footballers. So we fully really? covered. I mean, my friend is like an insurance guru. So he works for a huge American company, 
and he is risk averse like wouldn't believe so we have thing tied up in here not to mention the 15 page covid um risk assessment so yeah, so it's it. a safety element in here you know everything we run it the way you would expect it to be run in a full-time professional environment and that's what we get a like so people come in so we've had people from universities and England and you name it from different sports in the like it is a professional environment and that's what I've ultimately tried to create is that in trusted and that's what you get a lot of buy-in from professional clubs around the country and approval for people to be here um, so you know it's I understand where some SNC guys might be coming from. You know, I've been there, and that's what they've got to remember. But when people come in here, rest assured, people are well, well looked after, and we can only mm -hmm. give the right guidance. You know, we're never risk. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not what we're here for. Otherwise, we wouldn't be probably as successful as what we are. Good or Emma, yeah. get injured. All right. <laughs> we're back yeah. on say, hey, <laughs> you'll get injured going there. What a ludicrous comment to say. It's just like, well, that's really small minded. People got to be careful what they say. It's it's because it's, you know, I'm not one of I don't go witch hunting people. What did you say? That's, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> I know, it's just maturity uh, levels, mate. You're a mature man now. None of that stuff. Get it done. Yeah. Uh, but you can tell all I've heard is great things. And there's a lot of obviously football lads who I know who have came to the office and stuff, and I've heard nothing but. But good things. But again, going back to your point about um, kind of holding players back when, say, they come in and they've had a tough week holding them back. I know my mentality. Even it, it is today that I, every session I want to go a hundred mile an hour, and I know that I'm like so. The way that I kind of manage it, it's probably you probably give us stick for it. But like the way I manage it is, I cut my training days down rather than doing four days of training a week. I'll do three. No, that's not the best way to do it. But how would you? But say you had a player come in. And he was, oh, was yeah. still there. Still yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> say, say you had a player come in and he's they've got that sort of mentality. It's like everything's 100 mile an hour, which is, it's a great sort of mentality to have. How would you bat them off? Because like you said, even me now, I'm, I'm a little bit better of it. But when I, when I was a player, I was just like, I, I know what I need to do. I want to do everything I possibly can every day. I want to, I don't feel satisfied if, my, if, if every day I'm not doing yeah. something. That's the mentality yeah. that I sort of had. And I have it today with not just gym stuff, with like business stuff like today. Yeah, if I didn't do this podcast, I know my day would have been complete. The thing sort of is, thing. you've got to look at is um, it's it's a case of training with purpose. So, example, yeah. you know, you're, I don't know. Right, I'm going to go and do football. Uh, I'll use a young guy who comes in here and he's an unbelievable athlete, but he's very young and he is. It's like 24-7. And he's figured out, trying to figure out ways of controlling this. So full explanations on why you need to recover is key. Actually, that what, if you don't have that element of recovery in there, what actually starts to happen to the body. So full explanations on that starts to set things away, especially with people who are like, I need to be the best. Well, actually, they'll rest. Yeah. You still got to grow, re regenerate and recover. Otherwise... You guarantee you go in the next training session, it'll be a bag of shit. 100%. Mm -hmm. 
and it, it'll continue, continue, continue. And then ultimately, at the end of the week, if there's some element of performance that needs to be required, i.e. a game of football, guarantee you're going to underperform. So ultimately, do you want to perform at the best you can at that point? Yes, you do. We all do. Let's start filtering back and go, well, how are we going to get there? And what are we going to do? We've got to train with purpose. So there's got to be a purpose to your training, not just training for training's sake. So, for example, if I had a football, right, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to train for an hour, shooting solid for an hour, right? So what's your purpose? Well, I'm just going to shoot for an hour. What are you trying to achieve? Oh, well, I haven't thought of that. And it's a case of have a purpose. So, for example, there's a guy, I set him, if he's going to do things that I said, right, you're going to pick a particular area of the goal and you're going to have 10 shots. That's your training for the day in the morning. That's it. Not an hour, an hour and a half, because you've already trained yesterday and the day before and the day before. Let's start fine-tuning it. So mentally, you're satisfied and you've done something that is going to ultimately fine-tune you. So, for example, if it was a speed agility session, right, you're not just going to go out there for a full solid hour doing speed and agility because you're going to fatigue, you're going to get slow, and it's going to sort of be banging your head off a brick wall because neurologically you're going to start to slow down, which doesn't mm -hmm. give you what you want out of the session. So you're going to have a focused set rep ratio. That's it. Once it's done, it's done. It's high standard. It's highly focused on a particular area of speed and agility, and that's it. So it's training with purpose is the key having a purpose in your week with an ultimate end goal of going, I need to be performing at this event, whatever it might be, I want to perform the best I can. If you are consistently fatiguing yourself, 100% of that performance is going to dip because you're not going to, mm -hmm. your body's looking for a recovery day. So it's educating people on that element of why we need to recover, how it's important, but also training with purpose. You know, it's like asking a golfer to go and hit, right, you're going to go and hit 100 balls. Why? Why are you going to hit 100 balls? Why don't you use a particular shot you're going to look for and hit 20? You're just fatiguing yourself, smashing 100 balls constantly with no purpose. And ultimately, you're not going to get any better. And the key, mm -hmm. don't just train for training's sake. It's got that overriding goal that you're looking to aim for. And then... Have that aim and think, well, how do, what steps do I need to get there? And sometimes small 2 1% are better than big chunks all the time. You know, and we actively push that in here. You know, we do say we've got to train with purpose. So they might come in here and we'll spend a period of time, mobility, moving, whatever. They might have had a heavy week and just say, right, we're just going to literally work on accelerating that five meter area or work on how you react with the flow velocity stuff high speed work for a short period and then that's it and, and it's having a real purpose to the training session rather than just let's just get knackered mm -hmm. yeah just for the sake yeah. of just for the sake Tell of what, because yeah, just... i'm gonna go and plug myself back in because my battery's no worries <laughs> mate that's fine <laughs> there we go we're back yeah. on yeah so like talk, talking about what you said about training with purpose 100% massively agree and I, I think a lot of young lads probably need to listen and it's now wish when I was a bit younger coming through the climbs I had someone who explained it in detail like like you did and I wish that I had coaches 
who had the same sort of mindset. Like I used to, my train schedule, I remember when I was like 17, it was, this is when I was doing triple days, my keeper coach, I would quickly have breakfast at half eight, I'd be outside at nine o'clock kicking balls for 45 minutes, I'd be in for prehab warm-up in the SNC in, in the gym, then out at half 10, and then I'd be back out at two o'clock, just kicking balls again, just practicing, because kicking's obviously, it, it was kind of the era when goalkeeping, everyone needs to be good with the feet, so I'd practice both feet, and I'd be doing God knows how many extra reps a day, but the quality obviously, obviously probably, probably wasn't there. And then also going back to like, football's a high pressure sport for, a, for example, a goalkeeper taking goal kicks. You're probably only going to have maybe 20 goal kicks yeah. in a game, something like that. If you do the same thing in your training, like, there's a lot of pressure on those 20 goal kicks. Every single one needs to be in play, needs to be on the striker's head, needs to be, if you are doing 100 kicks, you're not going to have that same sort of match day pressure, are you? Just, you're just going to be doing it for the sake Stop of it. Stopping. So really, I've seen numerous drills where people have multiple, multiple, multiple in a row. Question would be, would that realistically happen in a game? And what's the quality of the shot stopping going to end up looking like? Not to mention the injury potential from doing high yeah. load or high volume of, the, of shot stopping. So, you know, realistically in a game, you're going to either save it, you're going to get it out the way, or a defender is going to be in there or it's a goal, and it's as simple as that. So you might pull off one or two, three in a push, where you've had a people, it's been rebounded around, and that's it. And it's the same with kicking. You're not going to kick it and slice and go, shit, can I have the ball back? I'll try that again. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. So it's that training with purpose, fine-tuning, rather than, you know, because you hear old school things, oh, David Beckham spent hours and hours and hours out training extra, practicing free kicks yeah he would have trained extra practicing free kicks but I bet he didn't stand there and kick 100 balls he would have went I'm going to have 15 shots I'm looking for this particular area and I'm going to fine tune it so that he really there's no fatigue there and it's just high quality repetitions and it's the same in the gym and, and what we try and do here as well with athletes is look at that week and help them build that week to maximise it, but also, depending on their age, still have elements of being a child there, being, having fun. Mm -hmm. Going to oh, play when, when COVID isn't here, but going doing things, down the beach, going for a walk, going on your bike, going just to have downtime. Don't think, well, oh, I've missed a day of training. And we do have a few guys who are like that, and it's, we've had to retrain them mentally how to sort of deal with that. And, through education, like I said, sometimes sitting down and, and having an educational session with somebody is just as vital as doing a training session because we can get some good work done so that they can go away and they're self-sufficient with things. And, and that's another thing that I'm very big on is building self-sufficient athletes so parents actually aren't allowed in the facility because there's no pressure element there. They're not looking to see if they've done anything wrong. Because I said, you're allowed to do things wrong. That's the only way we learn. As long as you're not going around throwing a 20 kilo plate at somebody. But I mean, actually getting the drill wrong. So yeah. it builds independence because what I see at the parents is it's you, you send little Johnny or, or, or you know, anybody off to, to go to a camp, go into a football club somewhere where they haven't been. If they're so used to having a parent with them all the time, it means they're probably not going to settle down. They're not going to be efficient, uh, self-sufficient, i.e. looking after themselves. 
without the parents being there, you know. So, you know, we used to put all sorts of things in place with the rugby guys and say, you know, you've, you, you, your parents don't pack your bag for you. You do, you know, you, you mm-hmm. pay your food and learn. You know, they put stuff on for them to teach them how to cook. So they actually start to cook their own meals and wash their mm-hmm. kit and finding their way to places. So, for example, there's one player who was coming to England with me from up here, England camp. And I'm going. So he asks me for a lift. And I said, no. I said, you find your way down and I'll get you a lift home. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And that guy's went on to be a Super League player. Self-sufficient, switched on, independent, athlete, mm-hmm. after themselves. So, Yeah, I like that. I like that because I think, especially in high-level academy setups, football, like especially yeah. Premier League level, you're nurtured oh. so much. A lot's done for uh, you. Mate, it's ridiculous. I didn't realise, even like from being at Newcastle for 11 years and then going to play in Scotland in the Scottish Championship, the level, like the difference and stuff. Breakfast is, you, you walk in, your kit's laying out perfectly for you, towels folded, ready for your shower after training. Everything's done. At nine o'clock, chef's making breakfast for you, scrambled egg, beans, toast, cereals, fruit, everything's laid for you. Training session's already out for you. You've got your, your prehab stuff wrote on a board for you. Everything is done. Like you just turn up and kick a ball around, and then, and I was like, "There's a lot more to it than that." But having that's like growing up, like football. in football, it's like everything. Ooh, every, don't don't worry about anything. The real world doesn't exist. That that what it is, and and that can be a flaw because if the guys don't get to that living on cloud nine, the real world hits them with a good whack. And I mean. You know, there's a story I heard, I won't mention names of football clubs or footballers, come storming in, first team apparently, apparently, storming into the office. What's this Mott thing? And they're like looking at him. Mott. It was his MOT for his car. Didn't know what. Yeah. Didn't know, I'm not paying this. What What even is it for? Apparently came back a week later and sold the car because he couldn't be bothered to pay £30 and bought himself another £100,000 car. And I'm like, for 30 quid, for whatever it was for an MOT. And it's it's like, what's this moth thing? Like just simple things in life that they would have to deal with. And when they come out of football, but the football club went and do all that paperwork for them, for their cars and stuff. And I'm like... It's ridiculous. Ridiculous! It's like it's like they're a bunch of kids, isn't it? Like it's um, I mean, it gets to that extreme. Very intelligent uh, professional footballers, some smart guys, really okay. switched on, really independent guys. But there is this, there is a, a minority group who just are great. I could, I would have their life for, I, I yeah. them and wind them up. I, I couldn't. I know they're the ones who give footballers a bad rap though because like you said there is a lot of highly educated ones there's ones who I know who are doing university degrees and they're doing other things and stuff 100% and I, but, there's a lot of guys who go on and do really well and invest their money smartly mm-hmm. you know with the right guidance uh, but no that was a, it tickled us when I heard that what's this mock that's <laughs> what's this mock thing <laughs> is that not a, a, it's a Keith Lemon thing that, isn't it what's it celebrity juice I swear they're mock <laughs> That's horrendous. That I'm gonna to have to name this podcast. Um, what's this mop thing or something like that? <laughs> oh, that's 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 hilarious. That by the way, but I uh, there's a lot of there's one thing that I've learned coming out of football and having that actually work. Yeah. I wish that I wish that I had that some sort of like I never ha- had a job. I never had a paper round. I never had to go and work in a pub and pour pints for people. I never had that. So I wish I did 
especially when I was still playing football, like 16, 17, leaving academy, leaving school, sorry, and going full-time in football. I wish I had something like that just to ground me and realise what life is actually like because the reality is a lot of lads, I'm, I'm trying to think when I was a, an apprentice footballer, there was probably a good, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 lads who completely just went out of the game at 18 and had to go and live real life. And they probably struggled a the lot. Thing is, and I struggled at 21. The education's a key one, I think. The education program what it needs to be there needs to be more variation than really rather than just you've just got to study some form of sport what if an interest and what if that's quite smart you know I, to be fair i think i start to look where i do know a few players who are scholars who are doing a levels which i used to be able to do but i do think when they drop out of that realistically what is the club giving them in regards to back up like you just that realism of, of, of the job or whatever and it might be that's something where they would implement some work experience as part of it outside the football club go and work in an environment you would think you would like to work in and have those links where they go off and, and do a job for like a week or so or part of like you know the the pre-season period or the off-season to have a job you know what i mean when they're not actually doing anything on, and, and look at something like that where it becomes part of their academics so they get a real life feel just in case things don't go quite where they want them to go mm -hmm. that's yeah I think something could be done because it's like it's like where the me at the minute with playing part time football you can almost do something in reverse you do your football as your 9 to 5 job and then you go and do something at night time as if it was be part that sort <laughs> of it, it, a lot of young lads probably need that reality and I know lads who are they're only on scholarships, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, and they're buying Mercedes and stuff, and they think that they're gonna, their life's going to go straight up like this. It's Anything could happen. could have an injury. Manager could change. You could get released. Um, God knows what could happen. It's just that reality check and keeping you, keep you grounded. Yeah, that's 100%. And I think it's... I will, you know, we have to use social media. You know, we use social media. I'm not a huge, huge fan of it because I think it can, it can create a lot of false... Um, Sort of. I think there's a lot of pressure on young people to be a certain way because of social media. Like I had a done a podcast with one of my my fellow PTs at the gym I work at, and we talked about social media. He said, "Oh, I'm just completely off it because it's it's no good for me." And I'm like, "I know for my own mental health, I would be better off it, but I use it for business purposes and obviously with fitness industry the way it is, that's what I use it for. But I know that I would be mentally better without well, it." We're the same. We use it for the business purpose and trying to share good practice as well in success. Mm -hmm. but it does have its flaws and I think you know you see a lot of young footballers giving it the big one but realistically it's they've still got a long way to go and I think they see other people doing it so they automatically feel obliged they've got to do it and puts that added pressure on and there's people living the old champion lifestyle but living on busy yeah. pop but you know, yeah that's the impression that people can perceive on and give across on on social media and, and my advice to all young guys is, is just don't worry too much on it just promote yourself in a positive way but not in flaunting or anything like that just keep yourself focused because i said if, you, if i'm honest now because of social media all potential employers whether it be football or not will be watching and whatever mm -hmm. they don't like it you're weird going to be where you think you're going to be in in that Realism now, you are tracked and monitored more than you'll ever realise.
and you know I think I think now I think like the FA if I believe they all do social media training because out there it's out there and in whatever domain and whatever you've done it's been really smart and clever with it um, but it does put a lot of pressure on young guys now I'm glad I never had it when I was a kid I mean Jesus <laughs> I know. I think I deleted my. Um, I remember when I was sixteen, and we had a big, we had a talk thing when we was starting our scholarship and stuff. And we were sixteen, and I had a Facebook, and I was like, I need to delete my Facebook, and create a new one, because God knows what I put on when I was like 12, 13, 14 Like I just want it, so I just wiped it. Same with my Twitter. I deleted Twitter. I still not. I need to get back on Twitter. Twitter but I'm not. I'm not on it. It's at the an minute. argument waiting to happen. Yeah. Whether you go on it, there's always somebody arguing with someone, and I'm one of them type of people. I like it. I like. I like a nice, easy life. I can't be bothered with aggro, and especially not Same. behind the computer. Because I'm, they put the computer on the back of his head. But it's, uh, <laughs> I don't like little keyboard warriors. I'm not one of them. I've had a few run-ins with CrossFit coaches on in, on uh, Twitter before, which I found quite hilarious, and I just slapped it mm-hmm. because they were just getting so was, aggressive yeah. about athlete <laughs> development and how CrossFit was fantastic for it, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, show me the, you know, cite, few citations of research that states that thanks. In the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. I made notes because when I was training, I was gonna ask you about CrossFit and obviously training. For, like, what do you think about CrossFit for for athletes? Because obviously you train for like five or six different things all within one session. It, you know, it, <laughs> go on, quick, make it make it short and sweet because you could talk about this. Could be a separate podcast. Oh, we'll, we'll go. not go there. I'll probably upset with. But yeah. um, it's, you know, CrossFit's CrossFit. CrossFit's good for coaching CrossFit. That's it. And from an athletic development perspective, I mean, it's a lot of it's forced adaptation. So you, you, it's, there's no periodization in it from what I've seen from people. Um, and don't get us wrong, there's some, you know, some strong athletic guys in there. But you've also got to look at the injury rates in CrossFit are quite high. Now, in the gym environment, your first priority is an S&C coach or performance coach. Don't injure your clients. That is, it is a, it's like a, a number one rule. Yeah. You know, it's injury prevention. That's the first and foremost point of S&C in, in athletic development. It's, it's keeping people robust, keeping people doing what they love doing. So when it comes to CrossFit, it's, it's been very, very, um, be careful is what I would say. Don't get us wrong, there'll be some good coaches around. Um, I'm, I'm not disputing that at all, but my experience with young guys who fell into CrossFit thinking it's S&C, and I'm talking about everything from nine-year-old children below, doing really inappropriate training and actually yeah. causing more problems than actually getting any benefit out of it. So it's just, really small what you do and I'm not going to berate all of CrossFit you know it's that's people you know people are active it keeps them active or that that's a good thing um but from a youth athletic development perspective no I'm not having it yeah (laughs) yeah it goes back I know it goes back again train for a purpose isn't it for a sports element if you want to perform at the highest level in sport no but if you CrossFit by all means knock yourself yeah, if you if you general population and you enjoy it, it keeps you fit, gets you moving. I'm all for it, but just be careful about what you're doing because there's a lot. Oh, there's doing it, yeah. 100 kg cleans into burpee box overs. What do you call it? Jump box jumps and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean someone's jumping up and down on a box, old Betty. 
gets on the box, box yeah. but actually nobody's ever examined how she lands in a landing mechanics and can she actually land safe mm-hmm. does she have that ability you know in doing it to fatigue so and you know if they do that with, a, with an older person or, or a young kid who wants to be a better footballer you're going to ask questions later on when he's got chronic knee problems and back problems and you name it he can't yeah. you know and it's it's one of those it's uh it's just cross it's just circuit training let's be honest yeah no, it's literally just torturing get as many exercises yeah. as possible and torture yourself to be fair i enjoy doing little bits of it i take aspects of it but i know that i can't go and do yeah. hand cleans and i can't do too many plyometrics and stuff because my just falls <laughs> apart i just take aspects of the style of training so if you're doing and a then implement it or endurance yeah there's no point at all. It's a, you know if you're doing a if you're snatching a bar, a snatch bar. It's a power. It's power. It's power. Yeah. It it doesn't want to be done twenty times, and it, that, yeah. that's where it comes in in the play. That's when the danger element comes in. We've yeah. got to be really careful of that. Uh, but yeah. you know we'll not get too. Yeah, up. I'm not going to argue with Matt Fraser. To be fair though, he's a he's a different he's a different specimen over there. Hey. You're a bit of a spit and a bit of a double, actually. I've just thought about that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> My face is double. <laughs> nah. I've oh, been called stuff. many things, so don't worry. Take it. I'd, I'd take it. Fittest man on earth. Anyway, we'll, we'll wrap we'll wrap it up with that. We'll leave the CrossFit conversation oh. for that. Did you have a look at the three questions that I uh, that I sent you? The little NQ&A? Oh, All right. So, what? Three people fight but, around for a coffee or dinner. That was... That's the I, one. I, I sat with my wife and I was like, Nobody's ever asked us these questions before, and it's like it's one of them. Really, I'll, get, get I'll go away from this and go. Should have said it. Should have said here. Yeah. But uh, Barack Obama's on there. I think he's a type of guy who hasn't, you know, he is in my lifetime the best president I've seen. He's cool. He's a cool bloke. Um, he's got aura about him. He's intelligent. I think he would be interesting to sit and have a beer with, have a pint. Um, Robin Williams, uh, yeah. you know, we, we talk about mental health, but how quick witted and sharp that guy was, and how funny that guy was. I just think mm-hmm. get bored, you know. And, and, and this is surprising because a lot of people probably thought I would just say a sport, but I look at other, other professions, I look at other people, and I think you can gain a lot from other people, not just sport. And that type of guy, I mean. How he would, how inventive that guy apparently was, you know, in in most of the lines and things he's put into films, he's probably just thought off the top of his head, you know. And I like stuff like that. I like people who are when you drop them in a deep end, they can just pull it straight out of the bag, you know. Mm-hmm. The way he goes on, Freddie Mercury, I think just the talent. I mean, you know, not a lot of people know it. I mean, my grandmother was mad about Queen. I mean, I grew up listening to Queen as a kid and I mean even up until in like our 80s she would be listening to Queen yeah so it's Freddie Murphy just for raw talent I think more than else because I have a big appreciation for people who are the best at what they do um raw yeah. talent and, and and when you watch him and you know knowing his background and all the crap he had to probably go through you know it, it's you know but there's probably I could probably go on forever they'll probably have a full banquet table of people Probably like to sit and have a have a bit of a bit of food with and what have you. Yeah, yeah. I like throwing that question in because I'm the same. I love I love looking into people's mindset. One of the reasons why I start the podcast, but like mm. 
big, obviously famous celebrities who have are on like top top level. Have you listened to any of the pod the high performance podcast with? Is it um, who's the lad out of Wolf of Wall Street? I forgot oh, his name. Oh, I know who you're on about. Oh, it's gone. Matthew Ma- Matthew Mah- I don't know how he says nothing, but yeah, I I know what you mean. But if anybody hasn't listened to like any of them podcasts, like looking into the mindset, they're just so switched on to everything. They're so mindful about everything. They understand things. They've obviously learned from the past experiences and what they've done right. And everything, they're just they're yeah. so focused on the finest little details. And I love looking into the mind. Yeah. That's um, it. That ultimately, that. when you talk about the mindset and the mind, it only controls everything we do. Right, we're back. Change, change the location. Change the location. <laughs> But, Change the location. I forgot what we we're talking about, but we're talking about successful people in mindset. But the next question: three people you like to train with can be football related, rugby related, gym related, anything you want. Ooh, it's an interesting one because um, I had a few. To be fair, obviously your, your typical Ali and Arnie would have to be in there. Um, Michael Jordan probably because his he has. If anybody's going to work, yeah, going to work it. He's first uh, on like. But also from a football perspective, because obviously I played a, I was predominantly a left back, and um, I used to enjoy watching Maldini. So it was from mm-hmm. a football perspective. And anybody asked me how to play left, anybody said any tips to play left back, go and watch some of how he played as a defender as a whole. Um, but he was uh, Paolo Maldini was got to be up there. So there's a few in there really. To be fair, uh, Bold yeah. probably. Although he probably would be very very laid back. I think probably just for the crack. More than a, yeah, um, if you want to want to train. Yeah, he'd be an interesting. I love to. I would love to train with him because he is very laid back, but he's also just such a natural athlete. And he's had a lot of injuries because he had scoliosis and yeah. stuff issues with his well, back, bro, his hips. He's not. Let's be honest. He's if you look at a typical sprinter, he's not exactly what you would class as a typical sprinter. He's more probably like a high jumper, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with growth, and you know that yourself, there is a when you are a limby and, and you've got long limbs, there is a higher risk, obviously, regarding injuries and, and things that are going wrong. So, especially in impact sports like football and goalkeeping. Um, but I would be an interesting one, I think, from a mindset perspective, probably more of a laugh than anything else. But he doesn't yeah. work hard. If you've got to work hard to get the level that he got to. Um, yeah. And also from like your Michael Jordan, is if you're not working hard, you're going home. And if you, yeah, he's just relentless at the gym, like, and and I like that, mm-hmm. like a good mixer. I like you work hard when you got to work hard, but also have that that mindset to sort of sit back, kick back, and have a laugh when you need to, when the time's right. Uh, yeah, definitely. It, it needs you need that balance, hundred yeah. percent. I try and keep that in here. You know, that's how I work. I will work mm-hmm. hard, and I will, you know, I demand from people, but I am very laid back at the same time, and I can chill and have a bit of a bit of banter with people bit of fun yeah so, makes it a good environment to train yeah. in though doesn't it to, to be in maybe too we in and too busy you know what i mean if you, you got to get your shit done you get your shit done but you do it at a high level and then you can sort of kick back and, and have a laugh you know that's generally yeah. that's what probably gets the buy-in with people yeah you know and you, there's something you mentioned there about how do you you know what's one of the most important things about being an snc coach outside of the educational side and, and, and that coaching skill side, it's actually having a good rapport with people does help. I mean, if you can get people to buy into you, you actually look interested in people and you give people time and a bit of respect. You know, I think building 
build rapport with people and, and build the rapport with your athlete, that then you start to get some trust and people see mm-hmm. not just being the coach as someone you can confide in, you know, and get the best out. Mm-hmm. They know you've got your best interest at heart. So yeah. There's more. There's more than being a coach than just being a good coach. Is that not, being able to deal with personalities? No, it's 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 not even the bits of paper on the wall or anything like that. It's that doesn't make the athlete. That doesn't produce a performance out of anybody. It's how you deal with people. You're dealing with people. That's all. And you've got to be good at dealing with people because um, that, mm-hmm. that is your job. Um, bottom line, you know, um, so mm-hmm. it is. It's not just what's on the wall. What the quals are. You know, the knowledge and everything does help. It's it's how you apply it, how you do your day-to-day job. But ultimately, if the athlete doesn't buy into you, you've got no chance. There's something. Mm-hmm. You know, 100%. Professional football, they'll just tell you, piss off. Yeah, there's some big personalities as well. Oh, they're, they're, they're big egos. Yeah, huge, huge. And, and you've got Massive. to buy in, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the last question, one thing you say to yourself five years ago, five or ten years ago, roughly, what, what would you say to yourself? Why on earth? Did you open a business and do a PhD at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, you just like being busy. You just uh, like being ridiculously busy. Keeps us out of the house. I'll end up having to do stuff there. No, um, it's a tricky one. Probably a lot of things I'd say to myself and have a word with myself about. Um, but I think a key thing for me, and I say this to a lot of athletes, is just be patient. Try and enjoy the now rather than worrying about what went on in the past and what may happen in the future. And I think I take every day as it comes. Um, try and be, like I said earlier on in the podcast, should be that little few percent better each time. And just be patient with things. Things will come. Things will come if you work hard and you're committed to it. Um, because I used to get impatient. I mean, years ago, I'd be climbing the wall. If something didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen, then I'd be chomping at the bit to get it done. And, you know, I remember an old coach of mine once said, you know, you, you, you're driven, but sometimes too driven, and you want everything now. And it makes you appreciate things when you do get it, the time spent mm-hmm. getting to that point. I've got to this point so far, and I know where I want to go with the next point. It'll be a gradual process, but we'll get there. And it's just, it's, it is, it's being patient. I say that to any athlete, just be patient in yourself. You know, if you if you're committed, you you have a, an override goal, you will get there, regardless of what it is. You've got plenty of time. You've got the rest of your life to get where you need to be. Well, in sport, mm-hmm. you may have a little bit shorter, but you know, you know, you're a you're a twelve year old kid. Don't want everything now. Enjoy it, because sometimes mm-hmm. you bypass things and you don't really enjoy them that much. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a I'm a big believer in that. You know, I, I love getting up on a morning and coming in here and working with athletes. So I enjoy the day, you know, and then mm-hmm. I, the next day, don't get us wrong, I do enjoy my time off, but I enjoy my time off even more knowing I've done something worthwhile with my time. It's not a job. It's a vocation. It's not a job. I love it. I would do it. Mm-hmm. I'll get paid. I'm just very lucky I get paid to do it. You know, and yeah. that's where the appreciation of being patient to any young S&C guy or performs or any coach, you know, you do your hard yards, you work in the trenches, so to speak, working sometimes for free, you're doing all that. Mm-hmm. Just be patient, because if you work hard enough, someone will reward you. You know, and I look at that, I look at that a lot with people, a lot of young coaches, I think. Yeah, he's probably Jewish time, or she, Jewett, mm-hmm. to get some good paid work. 
out of it. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I uh, patience, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 great. You can see that obviously the passion that you have for what you're doing. Any young aspiring coach, athlete, entrepreneur, whatever it is, you're gonna have that sort of drive, which is great. Never lose that drive, but it's just controlling the the frustrations when things yeah. things are gonna go great, things are gonna go crap, like things are gonna be up and down to roller coaster. But it's just like why I call the podcast what it is. Trust the process. Like uh, that's all it is. It, Life's a process, ups and downs. Everything gets thrown at you, and you know, I can go through, we can stay on here for the next four hours and bore the shit out of everybody. But you know, it's there's loads of <laughs> we could stuff, talk all day. There's loads of stuff I can tell you about journeys and stuff I've had to do, and you know, you know, unpleasant things that have you know happened to me personally, like in regards to losing people and stuff. But they're the driving force as well, because you know. You know, I'll, I'll be open. I, I lost my mum as a young, as a young lad, a sixteen-year-old lad. But my parents had such a passion for sport, and that just lives in me, and, and that's how I grew up. And I just transitioned that over, and I love it. And yeah. I see people who hate that job, and I'm like, well, change it, do something about it. You've, you've only got as far as we're concerned. This is it. You get one opportunity, so why not just do something you enjoy doing, so long as it's legal. Before anybody says anything, <laughs> oh, I want to be a drug. Oh, great! <laughs> but, <laughs> go on, go on. You do, uh, you, do, you do, you, you, me. I'm uh, fine being perfectly uh, legal. No, but you know, it's it's you know, just one of them where I'm not going to preach and try and be all that. But it's just just do go out and do it. Go and make. Mm-hmm. Go and do something. So if you hate doing what you do, go and find the first little thing you need to do to get to where you want to be, and do it. Didn't mm-hmm. just get it done. And going on and then do the next thing, then the next thing, and then bit by bit, just being patient. You'll find out you'll end up where you want. Because I sit back sometimes and I do look at things and go, remember when I used to do that and I have to do that? And you know, it's slogging away, stupid hours doing this and this and this with that ultimate goal of getting where I want to be. And I'm still not really where I want to be. I'm I'm very, very content where I am. But that's just who I am. And like in once upon a time, I would have been climbing the walls, right? Bloody COVID, bloody locking the gym down, doing this. I wanted this done. I wanted that done. But I'm like, nah, it's what it is. It's what it is. I just enjoy it. I enjoyed, weirdly enough, the time I did have off, just to spend time studying, doing some extra stuff mm-hmm. that I never always get a time to do and spend some time on myself, build myself, mm-hmm. you know, looking after myself a bit more than what I would normally do. Um, so now, patience is definitely... With it's not it's not something that should be sort of ignored. I think it doesn't matter what you mm-hmm. like. If you're just a bit patient, it, it will come. Things will come. Hundred percent, definitely. Yeah, it's nice that you said that you are kind of content because a lot of people get stuck in the in the pattern of life of when they do have that drive and they achieve something, they want the next thing straight away and they want the next thing. It's gonna happen. Like if you do have a drive or a passion for anything, you're gonna you're gonna achieve one goal. There's yeah. gonna be another goal. You never. It's just life's a constant thing. Yeah, but it's enjoying of achieving goals and then find another one. And it's enjoying that when you've achieved that initial goal, you've got to enjoy it, absorb it, get a feel for it, then sort of think, what's the next one? What am I gonna look at? Mm-hmm. And then start it. But but enjoy the moment rather than just yeah. oh wow, well, oh that was great. Oh, I wanna go out of this. That's that's a good thing, but just sometimes you gotta sit back and just take it in. Take it in what mm-hmm. you're doing and, and how it's going. So you with your podcasts and stuff like that, this is something you probably never thought you'd ever fall into doing. 
Mm-hmm. But this will be a long line process of wherever you've got to go and wherever you're going to go. And it, it mm-hmm. thing you learn from, you're learning from other people. You're, you're, you're picking up pointers and ideas and sharing your thoughts. And that may help you go in the longer term. And, and you sort of sit back and think, remember when I spoke to that person or that person, and I gained a lot from that. That's helped us get where I need to be. And if I'd never done it, I would never have got there in the first place. So it's a case. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be patient. You've got to absorb whatever you're doing currently and not just wish your life away more than anything. Oh, 100%. You know, yeah. Enjoy what you do in the process of going to the next step, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. In your job or in your personal life. You know, I'm big, big one on that, and whether it's sport. You know, I just say it, lads, enjoy it, or, or girls, just enjoy what you do now. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about the future when we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, that. I like to use process a couple of times there just to get the, get the podcast name out there. I like that. I appreciate that. But no, I like that ex- exactly what you said there about enjoying stuff. That was one thing that when I think a lot of young lads are probably the same when when I was younger and say I achieved something, say I had a good game for something like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would just be like, right, that's all right. I've done one game. There's another one down the line. I want to go and focus on that one. Enjoy that moment. Yes, like enjoy the evening. Yeah. Celebrate it. Whatever you do, don't go overboard with it, but control yourself. But then the next day. That's when you can see, like, right, now I'm going to switch on to the next thing, but just enjoy that little moment. It's like, say, for example, I can't remember who it was taught, who taught, it might have been Rio Ferdinand, mm. talking about when he was at Man United and they won the, won the league and whatever it is. They didn't really celebrate it because it was just expected that Man United would win the league. He, he, he wasn't, it, we got to a year and they won it and they were like, right, I'm already focusing on next year, right, I'm focusing on the FA Cup, whatever's next. They didn't enjoy the moment and he's looking back on it and said, I regret. Like looking back and then having a regret on something like that. If he's saying something like that that he regretted not celebrating the moment, then if if you've got your little celebration, your bit of success, go and enjoy it because you might down the line look back and think, why didn't I go and enjoy yeah. that moment? Because that was a one moment that I'm never going to get back. Yeah, and that and that's it. And you lose if you're not enjoying it, you're going to lose the passion and realize well, mm-hmm. there's going to be a thought at some point in life where you go, well, why did I even do it in the first place? Mortal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I always say to people don't just do something for the sake of doing it just got to enjoy what you do and you know don't if you're not do something about it enjoy the moment enjoy your games enjoy you know when you win things and you get the plaudits actually enjoy it because you've deserved getting there you've sat mm-hmm. things to get there and then use that to fire you on to say I want more of that I want more success and, and push on and, and go forward with it. Because um, I think sometimes people, like you say, people at that high-end level, you know, Alex Ferguson's just, you just crack on and, and, and that's his mindset. It, it, people are telling me you would never celebrate him. From looking at his nose, it's a bit red, so he loves, obviously, he likes having a few beers and a bit whiskey. Yeah. But he's definitely been celebrating. <laughs> just on the slide, doesn't let other people know. He just <laughs> he has a quiet, quiet little celebration. A uh, few wine. Nice bottle of sing- Scottish that's single good. malt that's, does him. That's him celebrating. People do it differently. Yeah. They don't have to go kind of and wreck their house or go out and do stupid things around the city. You just, people celebrate in different ways, but they will, and it's... You've got it, one. It's it's you got to live in that moment. It's, it it spurs you on to go on to the next next level. Exactly. So wonderful. it's the reason why you it's the reason why you started what you do. It's to enjoy, have success, and just yeah. enjoy it, make the most yeah. of it. Yeah, 100%. I do it here every day. I love doing what I do. It's a passion what I do. Mm-hmm. Nobody will take that away from us. It's, you know, I, I still I can't beat 
know, go on a weekend and I can go and watch games and people compete in and sit back and watch Sky Sports and see guys that I've worked with and think, yeah, I've had a I've had a hand to play in that. And I like seeing their success because ultimately it gives me a lot I get a lot of satisfaction from them as a coach, as cheesy as that sounds and yeah, well I am cheesy on that one. Because I do yeah. love seeing it. I love seeing people achieve. You know, and it's not for the want of pushing my business off the back of it and earning money. It's absolutely nothing to do with that. It's just seeing people and what I know they've done to get where they're at. And it's, mm -hmm. it is, for me, it's as good as playing. That's the, mm -hmm. it's as good as competing in sport. And, and this yeah. is why I do what I do, because I love sport. I've loved all elements of sport. I've played sport since I was a kid from the minute I got up off the floor. You know, if you if you sport in the garden, you know, you probably warrant that. You'd throw something out as I'd catch it, throw it back or kick it, run around like a lunatic. And, and I've, I've always been sport orientated. So, you know, not to play a sport professionally, I, I don't have any regrets anymore on that. It's, I get to do this for a living. So I get to work mm -hmm. with young, talented, hungry people who want to actually go as far as they can in life. So yeah. the win for me, and even if they turn into yeah. coaches or sports scientists or anything like that, which you know we've done, we've worked with, then that's still success for me. Somebody gets inspired from having S and C and athletic development through us guys might actually go on and do this for a living, and we hundred percent and I'll hundred percent always back them. I'll always try and help them out, you know. So, so now, so. It's great, great to see, you, mate. Like I say, you can see your passion coming through. And there needs to be more people like you in the world, sort of thing, who have a massive passion for what they do and actually want to help people. They don't just do; they're not just an S and C coach for the sake of a job or the sake of being an S and C coach. There's a purpose behind everything you do, and you you want to help people, not just become better athletes, uh, but better people. Help them, help them mentally, physically, which is something that we obviously talked about a lot earlier in the podcast. The mental side of it, um, which I don't think still isn't talked about enough. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see obviously what you're doing is fantastic working with players and being able to build relationships with the players and also with different clubs which yeah. I think is something that needs to still be integrated yeah, it's a, um, a bit more you know it's a that's a process and, and sometimes if staff change in a club you've got to go through the process again and again and again but yeah. eventually people start to build a trust in what you're trying to do and ultimately that you've got their athletes best interested heart and then that, mm -hmm. that is how we do honestly work when we're not we're not manipulating anybody we're not trying to just earn money out of people you know yeah there's a cost to coming here but ultimately like i said before we we've sacrificed revenue for the well-being of, of an athlete to rest simple as that mm -hmm. because it's in their best interest and ultimately that's what it's about how the you know i do all the tests in the world to prove how well the training's going here but it's how they perform when they go to compete that's the only mm -hmm. performance it's how they if they win lose draw or uh, um, winning on the track or whatever it might be in a boxing match that's that's the ultimate measure of performance uh for mm -hmm. in you know having that success so mm -hmm. definitely mate no, that was a great podcast, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. If anybody wants to get in touch with your company facility, whether we'll get in touch. Yeah, just feel free. The usual social media outlet, <laughs> um, websites, you know, we're very open. People want to come. If it's coaches, and not just athletes, 
they want to come and have a chat. Obviously, they have to book in still for a chat, but due to COVID, um, <laughs> very open door. We're very open door, and we're very, you know, it's a it's a nice. Someone actually said it yesterday. We've got a very family feel. Yeah, um, where you come and you're part of a of a family. We're all trying to get to the right sort of similar destinations, um, and we just you know, no matter what the sport is, the likes of yourself, you're more than welcome any time to pop in. And, uh, definitely, mate. I'll definitely have to head look over. Look at them injuries and stuff. We'll get you in there. <laughs> Plenty to talk about, mate. I've got a big list <laughs> waiting for, waiting to show you. I like a challenge. But no, I'll leave. Yeah, I know exactly. I'll be a challenge. Uh, but I'll leave your social media for anybody who's listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, they'll be in the comments. If it's on the on the podcast, it'll be in the show notes. I'll leave all your details so you can get in touch with Martin. Ask. I'm sure he'll be happy to answer any questions and get in touch. Spot. Mate, that was perfect. Thank you very much for coming on. Not a problem, mate. Apologies it took so long. <laughs> nah, don't worry, mate. That's absolutely fine. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Take it easy, Paul. See you in a bit. So thank you very much if you listened to this full episode. And thanks again, Martin, for coming on. Some like majorly important points that we talked about then. You can see, obviously, Martin's passion for what he does and how he actually wants to help young people, young athletes, and obviously the more experienced athletes as well. He wants to help people become better athletes, but also better, better people. So obviously more people in the world like that, the better. So it was a pleasure having Martin on. We'll probably get another one in down the line. So like I said before, if there's any questions that you want to ask me or Martin, he'll probably reply to his messages and I'll definitely reply to my messages. So just drop us a message. All of our Instagram, social medias, everything is down below. Definitely check Martin's facility out if you get a chance. I'm going to be heading there myself because I've got a lot of things that I want want to get him to have a look at and see how he can help me out. So like I always say at the end of the podcast, if you could share it on your social media, anything you can, tag both me and the guest on the podcast, that would mean the world. Leave a little review if you did enjoy the podcast, let us know what you thought. A five-star review, again, would mean the world, so thank you very much. And I always finish and say, if you can share this podcast with one friend, one family member, just send the, the link over, copy and paste it, send it on iMessage, WhatsApp, whatever you can do to spread the word about this podcast, that would mean the world. So again, thank you very much for listening. This has been Process.